My question is, who here would listen to a podcast investigating what happened to Burger Fight? I would listen to that. I would listen to that. All right. Who wrote Make Noise? Make Noise, please. No, it's not us. This is not us. This is not us. Me, Madeline, Bobby. Welcome to the finale episode of Burger Find, a podcast chronicling in real time our investigation into the mysterious closing of the Ann Arbor location of the restaurant Burger Fi. I'm your host, Zach Gelfan. And I'm Madeline Godin. What you just heard was audio of our origins when we pitched Burger Find to our friends at a party. When we started our investigation, we never thought we would end up here with the truth in sight. As you may remember, we began our investigation locally, interviewing our friends and students on the Diag about the closing. What do you think is the most important Ann Arbor cultural institution, like a restaurant or a store that's closed within the last year? Burger Fi. Yeah. Well, I was pretty pissed when Burger Fi disappeared. During the course of our investigation, we realized each question we asked opened up new avenues of exploration. Many such courses proved futile. We chased tips that led us further from the heart of the matter. She didn't like set Burger Fi on fire, but like something insane happened. And had conversations that brought us closer to it. We talked to Randy, the realtor in charge of renting the space. Hi Randy, uh, this is Dominic uh, Bolsonelli. <laughs> and Chris, a former bartender at the Ann Arbor Burger Fi. You guys actually confirmed some of my what I had heard because yeah. I wasn't even sure what the whole story was on that. The real investigation, it seemed, was the friends we made along the way. Their testimony, along with an email tip from someone named Nathan, led us to the conclusion that the closing was caused by a discrepancy between the franchisee and the franchisor. But, as you may remember, we know almost nothing about how that kind of relationship traditionally works, and whether such a discrepancy could really bring down a business. To get some more insight, I spoke to Francine LaFontaine, a professor of business economics and public policy, as well as the senior associate dean for faculty and research at the Ross School of Business. Although she wasn't familiar with this exact situation, she and her husband were frequent users of the space and were both disappointed when the store was suddenly shuttered. Along with her many roles at Ross, Professor LaFontaine is the author of a book called The Economics of Franchising, so I thought she would be able to provide some context about how franchising relationships work in general. Franchising is a way of organizing business for, in particular, we find it in, in things that are very geographically dispersed, so chains, the, the idea of having a restaurant that is replicated in mm -hmm. lots of different places or a haircut place that's replicated yeah. in lots of different places. When you want to have a chain like that, you can have it as a corporate chain. That is, all the stores are run by the company. Starbucks is like that right. in the U.S. But from the 20s or so, and even more so in the 50s and stuff, people started saying, okay, so when I want to open a store somewhere else, I don't always know what are some of the things that would be useful to know about location or about a few other things. And it'd be really great to have a business person that's kind of local to the place mm -hmm. and that oversees the store and, and works there and owns it can we find a way to kind of make it so that the person that runs the store, instead of being an 
manager that gets maybe some profit sharing or something as an incentive, can we do even more more of a stake for the person who's there locally? And the way that they've that that's been created is through franchising. Um, so, I mean, have you ever seen or heard of any sort of situation where it's open and we've learned that sales were good? There was no real financial reason for behind the closure. Have you ever seen anything like that happen where it's open one day, then the next day, it, even the workers, we interviewed a worker, they didn't know what was going on. Wow. So I, like, I'm so, sorry to hear that, because yeah. that's really bad for workers. Yeah. Um, it's, it's bad for consumers that this disappeared too. It, it, happens, it happens for a variety of, of situations, and it will happen for in, independent businesses. Even an independent business is functioning under a couple of contracts. One would be with the landlord, typically, right? So they have a rental contract, and they can end up in a dispute in that context. And they have a contract with the bank, usually some money that they've borrowed and right. things that... So those are the two main contract relationships. They have some with suppliers and stuff, but these two can, can get you know, problematic at, at some point mm -hmm. in time. Most of the time they don't, but there can be some disputes here. With the franchise, you add another layer of relationship, which is with the franchisor, and there can be problems there too. Right. What you describe to me is not completely clearly a franchisor-franchisee relationship problem. Mm -hmm. It seems to have been more about the physical space somehow, and I'm not sure why. Yeah. When I asked her about the possibility of Evgeny's disappearance being the reason for the closure, things got a bit more fuzzy. It, it seems almost as if not as much the space, but the person running the space. It, that is very unusual. Yeah. Normally, you know, there's some kind of interaction between a number of parties where something happens and and they at least figure out we need to sell whatever is in the store we need to right. you know close in a more reasonable way so right. that aspect is quite unusual mm -hmm. and you know the fact that it would be something like somebody wanting a green card and the day he gets it no longer needs the income it, it's kind of weird because yeah. there's no reason to abandon right. an asset like physical space that you own that you can rent to someone just because you no longer need kind of one aspect of what mm -hmm. you wanted it for it seems yeah. so maybe this person left town right at that time and just abandoned and and I don't see that it would that it is a franchise or franchisee conflict at all either it does there's nothing I don't know if it would be one or the other it could be for example that the franchisee didn't pay the royalties that they owed mm. the franchisor and that the franchisor got upset mm -hmm. right that happens I think you know they could have started a dispute they could have been suing each other yeah. there's all sorts of processes there's arbitration and stuff I did see a burger fee in Philadelphia the other day mm. finally and perhaps most importantly, she was able to confirm to me what a franchisee and a franchisor are. Franchisors are McDonald's, franchisees are the local owners. Got it. Okay. So as a franchisor, I have lots of franchisees out there, each building their own business, and it benefits me as well, and I benefit them by providing them with a brand, with supply networks, mm -hmm. with business processes, with consulting services. Yeah. And they pay me the typical way in which the franchisees 
uh, in restaurants and those types of businesses pay the franchisor is with a royalty rate, so a percentage of their sales. So now we know, and that's that. This episode of Burger Find is brought to you by Brockhampton. We've received a lot of inquiries about whether or not we are in Brockhampton. The answer is not yet. Brockhampton's fifth full-length album, Puppy, is out this summer, followed by their sixth album, Team Effort, probably soon thereafter. Kevin, please respond to my Instagram DM. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the finale of Burger Find. With our investigation nearing a close, we felt that it was important to acknowledge the changes happening in Ann Arbor, and on South University in particular. In fact, with many of the historical spaces facing demolition in interest of new luxury student housing high-rises, we had to face the possibility that we'll never truly be able to find the answers. Forever lost are the local businesses, mom-and-pop shops, independent retailers, small businesses, and family-owned green grocers. In retrospect, maybe this guy that we interviewed early on in our Diag survey was onto something. I think that the gentrification issue is an interesting one because, I mean, housing is going to go up one way or the other. It's just a matter if it goes up or out. Um, And the fact of the matter is that I think that the Ann Arbor housing market is crazy. But with Zach graduating in just a few days, it's important to bring this investigation to a close. So, with all this new information provided by truly credible sources like Chris and Professor LaFontaine, it was finally time to confront Evgeny about our discoveries. Our producer found Evgeny's information on the highly classified website White Pages, and Madeline decided to give him a call to try to confirm what we now know about the closing of his burger fi. Hello? Is this Evgeny? 